Well, every blessing to you all. Welcome back to my open air pulpit. Feels more autumn than summer. Please go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and maybe two or three weeks ago, I was doing something that I haven't done in a long time, going back and forth with somebody who was commenting on one of my old videos from 2009 uh, concerning conditional security. And this person wasn't very happy with me because I hadn't dealt with John 15 verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 or thereabouts. And I thought, yes, it's a justifiable uh, criticism. I have done uh, John's Gospel maybe seven or eight years ago. But this particular video recorded back in 2009 and uh, where have the years gone? <laughs> didn't cover John chapter 15. So I thought I would come up to the pulpit this morning, although it's a bit blustery, a bit overcast. Nonetheless, I thought I would attempt, Lord willing, to look at John 15 and some other verses. John chapter 15, look at verse 1, please. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Before Abraham was, I am, and of course Jesus Christ would reveal himself to Moses way back in the book of Exodus. And please join me this coming Sunday when I look at Exodus chapter 27. I am the true vine. So if he was the true vine, I guess we could probably say there are false vines, counterfeit vines, deceptive vines. I am the true vine. What is a vine? A vine is a plant. I am the true plant. This goes back to Matthew chapter 7. A good tree brings forth good fruit. A bad tree brings forth bad fruit. A good tree doesn't bring forth bad fruit. A bad tree doesn't bring forth good fruit. Jesus Christ was a Jewish rabbi. Even unbelieving Jews recognize him as a rabbi. And rabbis were known to speak in riddles, parables. If you think of Samson back in Judges, he would speak in parables. And on one occasion, his wife lost her life due to uh, Samson not revealing directly anyway or straight away the meaning to the parable. <coughs> the riddle. Jesus Christ was speaking riddles, parables, first and foremost to explain deeper truths to his apostles later on he would be speaking to two audiences those that would receive him those that would reject him i am the true vine i am the true plant and my father is the husbandman old english for farmer so you have the son and the father two persons not two parts i am the true vine I am the true plants, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. It's all about fruit. Galatians chapter 5 speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, and there are nine. And that's the goal of every Christian to continue to produce more fruit. Never mind the gifts of the Spirit, like speaking in tongues, visions, prophecies, 
and I may discuss that a little later. But when it comes to growing in grace, that's the key. We want to produce more fruit. Go back to, say, 12 months ago, what you like 12 months ago, or 24 months ago, or 72 months ago, what you like. Contrast that to how you now. Are you growing? Do you have a hunger for the Word of God? Would you listen to a 35, 45, 50 minute Bible study? Or would you rather watch Christian musicians performing on stages all over the world? Do you have a hunger for the Word? Do you have a hunger for the lost? Ask yourself that question. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he, the Father, taketh away. So Jesus Christ is picturing himself here as a plant, as a tree, and we are grafted into him. That's what Romans chapter 11 is all about. And I guess there are probably five or six parts of the New Testament which continue to cause people problems. And I spent around 90 minutes a few weeks ago looking at the mark of the beast and how saved people during the tribulation will not take the mark of the beast. Those that take the mark of the beast, a literal mark, either in their right hand or in their foreheads are lost, cannot be redeemed. But those people that take the mark of the beast are enemies of the Lord, unbelievers, unsaved people. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, he prunes it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Hebrews says, if you belong to the Lord, you are chastised, you are chastened. If you don't belong to the Lord, or if you go through life without being chastised or whipped about in a spiritual sense, you don't feel the Lord's hand on you like ever, then there's every chance you're not saved whatsoever. But if you are saved, you know what it's like for the Lord to chastise you to put the fear of God into you. God is a very jealous God. People need to be reminded of this. He's a very jealous God. It's not difficult to understand that. Husbands are jealous over their wives. Wives should be jealous over their husbands. Christ is jealous over the church. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So why isn't this tree bearing fruit? Well, there's one of two reasons. If it's a bad tree, it can't bring forth uh, good fruit demonstrating that such a true uh, such a tree is a dead tree and if a Christian doesn't bring forth good fruit ever has never brought forth fruit ever then just perhaps they're not saved every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit also it is possible and if you think of other parts of the New Testament you have Christians who don't have a deep uh, relationship with the Lord, don't mature. They very rarely ever get out of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Most Christians are very interested in the Gospels, the Book of Acts and Hebrews. Nothing wrong with those books, of course, but the real mature Bible-believing Christian will master Romans, Colossians and Ephesians. Scripture with Scripture, of course. Look at verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He that heareth, or he that believeth on him that sent me, John 5, 24, and believeth 
has passed from death unto life won't come into any condemnation in John 5.24 uh, just to make sure I've quoted that correctly uh, sometimes if you're not careful you can misquote a passage very verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life so yes slightly misquoted it my apologies but he would preach the word faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god they would hear the word preached they would receive it and if they would receive it they were saved now ye are clean through the word which i have spoken unto you who's present the apostles the apostles were jews jesus christ was a jewish rabbi speaking in metaphors riddles parables many times like i say because you had unbelieving israel never far away and later on he would explain he would expound the deeper meaning to these verses now ye are clean through the word which i have spoken unto you you're already saved and also the apostles were saved by believing john 5 24 ephesians 2 10 if you come across somebody who doesn't like the idea of a sinner being saved by faith in christ alone you've got a problem I remember some years ago listening to an old sermon from leonard uh, leonard ravenhill an old ravenhill was a british preacher from leeds went to america in the 1970s uh, made his money in america never left america of course and old leonard ravenhill said this he said it grieves me that christians think they can be saved quicker than it takes to wash my car and i thought what a stupid statement to make you can be saved within five seconds four seconds three seconds the philippian jailer Acts 16 and last week we looked at that got saved within moments of hearing the gospel the ethiopian eunuch acts chapter 8 got saved within moments of philip's witness to him both gentlemen were baptized straight away and yet churches today for the most part are in no rush to baptize anybody they expect you to join their church attend regularly and over many months they get to know you you get to know them and eventually within 12 months they decide whether or not they want to baptize you the jw's do a mass baptism every july at the manchester evening arena men i think that's what it's called and we've preached outside there a couple of times over the years every july thousands of jw's head off to that place to be baptized and for them that's the high point of their i won't say salvation they have a very macabre understanding of salvation but it's a beginning it's a starting point on their road to redemption and of course they think they are saved by their works now ye are clean now you are saved through the word john 5 24 which i have spoken unto you it could be that around this time there were divisions in the camp of the apostles and it was imperative for them to produce more fruit and i'll explain that in a few moments abide in me verse 4 and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me abide in me 
it's like this you have a relationship with your husband you have a relationship with your wife you say to your wife in the morning you look very pretty you look very beautiful you say to your husband you look very handsome you compliment your spouse you compliment your children your children compliment you you wake up in the morning you say good morning Lord please fill me with your spirits before you go to sleep you say Lord please forgive me of my sins and iniquities and you remember those sins that you've done throughout the day you confess those sins that you've committed throughout the day and if you can't remember which sins you have committed ask the Lord to remind you and he will remind you straight away abide in me and I in you as the branch there's that term again branch as the branch cannot bear fruits of itself because it depends on the roots of course except it abide in the vine and the plants no more can ye except ye abide in me standing in state and many Christians don't understand standing in state many Christians don't really understand the book of Romans like propitiation justification redemption sanctification glorification adoption it is pitiful if you speak to your average Christian and ask such a person to explain any word that ends with an ION especially justification for the most part they can't do it they look at you with a blank expression abide in me concerning your state of course walk with me don't walk alone abide in me walk with me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruits of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me standing in state very briefly if you don't know what it means it means this that the moment you got saved your standing in the eyes of the Lord was sinless perfection you've got Jesus Christ's righteousness he took all of your sins nailed those to the cross and left your sins in hell you got his righteousness you got his sinlessness you are perfect in the eyes of the Lord that's what John chapter 10 is all, uh, John 10 is all about you're safe as far as your standing is concerned but your state like fruit how much fruits are you bearing can fluctuate it can be at the highest say at 10 and you really are producing fruits and people are lining up to seek you for wisdom like Solomon or Oliver Cromwell during uh, his time on the throne for 10 years he was the Lord Protector <coughs> and during his time as the Prime Minister slash unofficial King some of George's Fox uh, George Fox's friends were having conversations with Oliver they were saying this to him are you really saved Oliver are you really born again Oliver I mean that was quite a thing to say to Cromwell and he said to those gentlemen yes I'm saved blah 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 because as far as they were concerned his state was more inclined towards the crown like the UK than it was to the cross concerning Christ and some of Fox's friends walked a very fine line and some of his friends weren't convinced that uh, that he was saved I believe he was saved and I've spoken about Cromwell over uh, over the years many times over the years but some of Fox's friends weren't overly sure George Fox was very cool towards Cromwell and they would meet maybe two or three times and every time uh, Fox 
would meet uh, with Cromwell, he wasn't so abrupt. He was more subtle when it came to Oliver's state. How much fruit is Oliver uh, bearing? He's very keen to go horse riding, hunting. He was a man uh, who loved to go out into the open, like my open air pulpit, which is rather cold this morning, like 12 degrees Celsius, can you believe, for the middle of August. And with the wind picking up, it's around 10 degrees Celsius. <laughs> but uh, Oliver was a worldly man, a very worldly man, and he was uh, known to hunt and enjoy uh, physical activities, as was King James. So much so that the government had to purchase more land for Oliver to hunt. But they looked at Cromwell and asked the question, is he really saved? Is he bearing any fruits? Well, his fruit would fluctuate at the height. It could be 10, like I say, at the lowest. It could be one. Go back to the Ravenhill quote. People think they can be saved quicker than it takes to wash my car. I'll tell you what, if a plane is going down, if a boat is starting to sink, and people are saying, how can I be saved? And you've got somebody who is present, who knows how to be saved, like that Scottish preacher who was uh, drowning when the Titanic was going down. He was shouting out, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on him, receive him. And people were listening, getting saved, and they arrived in America. They were rescued and taken to New York. And they said there was this uh, Scottish preacher who was going up and down, up and down, up and down in the sea. Uh, and he was preaching the gospel like Acts 16, 30 to 31. We heard what he said, we received it, and we got saved. But Ravenhill wouldn't believe that. Because Leonard Ravenhill and people like him are Arminian, first and foremost, Holiness, Wesleyan, and also into Lordship Salvation. But on top of that, they believe you can lose your salvation. Oliver Cromwell was on the other hand of the spectrum, a Calvinist, a Puritan, and yet not really a Puritan. Many of his peers hated him because he was very religious, would uh, go to Westminster Abbey, would sit with Protestants. They didn't like the idea of that. For many, many years, Oliver Cromwell had no church to go to, nowhere to break bread. People thought he looked like a, a, a man out of place, uh, out of sync perhaps he felt lonely and stranded for a period of time people would have looked at Cromwell and said unsaved but he was saved uh, King James was also very worldly but he too on his deathbed made the case that he was trusting in Christ alone to save him as was Oliver Cromwell abide in me concerning your state not standing and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruits of itself Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. If you want to grow, you need to read the Bible each and every day. If you want to grow, you need to pray each and every day. If you want to become more bold or bolder, more confident, you need to witness each and every day. Open your mouth, speak to people. If you can't speak to people, if you are uh, housebound, go online. Witness through the internet. I remember listening to a story not long ago of a disabled woman somewhere in the Middle East, I think it was, got saved. It's always wonderful when people get saved on the other side of the world. And this woman uh, was heavily disabled, 
but she taught she taught herself how to access the internet and the way she would access the internet wouldn't be with her hands it was with her mouth and she got one of those special pens that uh, you can use on an iPad or those touch screen laptops and she would put this pen into her mouth and literally use the pen to correspond text people around the world email people ask people's questions around the world if she's doing it why don't we do it why are we so shy when it comes to witnessing what is the problem it's our old nature's of course look at verse 5 i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit that's the key that's the goal not sinless perfection but you can be impeccable if you are a christian paul came very near but romans 7 and also uh, philippians chapter 2 made the case that christ uh, that uh, paul hadn't yet reached the perfection of christ never would of course but he was always striving to get nearer to the lord's i won't say perfection because only christ was sinless and perfect 24 7 because jesus christ is god almighty and jesus christ uh, jesus christ has god's blood inside of him acts 20 28 i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me uh, concerning your state not standing your relationship not your salvation and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing and that gets up people's noses because our salvation has already been dealt with two thousand years ago we don't save ourselves it's already been done for us and yet going back uh, to what i said last week or week before last the last video i put up on the ransom many of those churches and ministries that i mentioned in fact all of those churches and ministries that i mentioned not one of them has the plan of salvation on their websites and you say why would that be well there's many reasons for it and i gave some last time but there's another reason for it they don't believe in what's called easy believism that term not biblical but it has some justification to it and they say this that to just believe to just say a prayer to just ask jesus into one's hearts won't save anyone and that's true you have to be fully persuaded that jesus christ is the savior son of god who died for your sins and once you are fully persuaded that christ died for your sins and it's easy to be saved <laughs> you just receive it you just believe on him but those people whether calvinist or arminian it could be cromwell it could be ravenhill people like that say no it's too easy you got to repent you say what does repent mean they say it means to turn from all of your sins doesn't mean that at all repentance repents appears 60 times in the new testament repents repentance is found 80 uh, 80 is found over in matthew mark and luke and if you take the time to read matthew mark and luke you know that matthew mark and luke are telling the same story but from different angles so on average you got 15 or 16 times the word repentance found in matthew mark and luke 
in Matthew, Mark and Luke, Jesus Christ is speaking to the Jews. And in Matthew, Mark and Luke, he's saying to the Jews, you need to repent. Stop rejecting me and start receiving me by faith. The other 20% when the word repentance or repent is found are in the Pauline epistles aimed primarily at saved people like 2 Corinthians chapter 9 show godly repentance concerning people who are already saved but aren't repenting and in that context to turn from your sins because you are saved 2 Corinthians 13 says to examine yourself whether you are in the faith not whether you are saved but whether you are in the faith are you producing any fruit going back to John chapter 15 for without me ye can do nothing well that would deal with your salvation that would deal with your walk that would deal with your reward at the judgment seats of Christ that deals with everything but at the same time you have free will you have to yield to the Holy Ghost look at verse 6 if a man abide not in me he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned now on the surface you read this and most people read this and say well there you are you see if you don't abide in the Lord Jesus Christ you lose your salvation and go to hell hold hold on hold on Judas Iscariot is partly in the picture here we are back in the time of the Gospels the Lord hasn't yet died the Lord is on the earth preaching to his Apostles it would say elsewhere how many did not believe on him Matthew 28 it wasn't just Judas who was murmuring and causing divisions there were others who weren't always sure as to the true meaning of the ministry of the Lord there were weak brothers it wasn't just Judas Iscariot if a man abide not in me now if it's in reference to one's states okay read on he is cast forth as a branch broken off as a branch and is withered he dries up and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned if you want to hold to conditional security this is where you go for it if you think you are wonderful if you think you haven't sinned since you got saved and that's a question to ask these people that teach you have to turn from your sins in order to be saved and ask those people well since you've been saved have you sinned willfully have you sinned whatsoever since you got saved and you watch them start to squirm as they try to evade giving you an answer to, uh, an answer to that question if they are honest they will say yes they have sinned since they repented of all of their sins turned from all of their sins in which case they didn't turn from all of their sins because they're still sinning and if they say no they haven't sinned since they turned from their sins then they are liars according to first john chapter one if a man abide not in me it could be judas iscariot called a devil if you continue on in my word then are you my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free there's two meanings to this if a man abide not in me if it's in reference to one's standing then it's possible to stop abiding in him which means you have the power that God has 
because only God could put you into God. If you can bust out of God, if you can break out of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are God. It can't mean that. If a man abide not in me, doesn't walk with me, John 6, 6, 6, many of his disciples walked no more with him. Never saved to begin with, of course. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned keep your hand there and go to Matthew chapter 13 there are like I say probably five or six verses or parts of the New Testament which on the surface give a very clear impression that somebody can lose their salvation I don't believe that and I made the case like I say uh, concerning uh, the mark of the beast how only uh, enemies, goats, tares would take the mark of the beast and go to hell forever Matthew 13 look at verse 49 so should it be at the end of the world the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth angels nine times out of ten are referred to as men and here you've got two groups of people the wicked and the just if you cross references back to john 15 if a man doesn't abide in me broken off is withered in reference to somebody who is wicked the unjust servant found over in luke chapter 12 as well denoting that he was never saved to begin with so should it be at the end of the world end of time it could be the end of the tribulation and if this is in reference to the end of the tribulation then you want to go to matthew 25 to get the cross reference but i think it's at the end of the millennial reign and i'll explain that in a few more moments the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth it could be end of the tribulation like i say and if it's end of the tribulation matthew 25 is where you want to go but i believe it's the end of the millennial reign because uh, verse uh, 44 speaks about the uh, kingdom of heaven uh, 45 kingdom of heaven 47 kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is jesus christ on the earth for 1000 years that takes place after the tribulation that takes place or begins with matthew 25 with the king on the earth judging the sheep and the goats the sheep go into the millennial reign and the goats go off into hell go back to John 15 so if you are saved and not bearing much fruit and the Lord is uh, chastising you disciplining you and you are rebellious not repenting 
than he may put to you on your seatbed. Many Christians outwardly appear to be very healthy, but inwardly they are a mess. We will never know for sure, uh, this side of heaven, what goes on behind closed doors, not just concerning saved people, but unsaved people. A lot of people look up to lost people or they admire, they envy unsaved people and say, look how wealthy he is. Look how successful she is. But of course, behind closed doors, who knows what is going on? Go back to verse one. I am the true vine, which means there is a false vine, a counterfeit vine, a counterfeit Jesus, a counterfeit Bible, a counterfeit spirits, a counterfeit gospel. And my father, God the father, is the husband moon. He's the farmer. The farmer is the father. The plant is a son. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Not straight away. He will give you time to repent if you are saved. He will give you time to get back into fellowship with him. But if you resist the Lord's uh, pruning, if you will, if you resist his uh, chastising, then of course there is a sin unto death. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Bring forth fruit. People can see the Father living inside of you. You have good works. And the more you do, the more you honour him, the more you please him. Now ye are clean, now you are saved through the word which I have spoken unto you. No works, no baptism. Also, like I say, repentance is found 60 times in the New Testament. 80% of the times, or 80% of when the word repent is found, <coughs> uh, is Matthew, Mark, Luke. The other 20% is found in the Pauline epistles. But the word believe, the word belief, is found 241 times. The word blood, like the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, is found 94 times. The word cross, is found 26 times so it's belief in the blood outnumbering repentance and the cross by three to uh, three to one four to one of course they're all linked up but the holy ghost's main emphasis is on the blood 241 times excuse me uh belief 241 times and the blood 94 times repentance 60 times break it down in matthew mark and luke no more than 20 times the cross 24 times contrast that to the blood 94 times so you're saved by believing on him you believe on him the holy ghost puts you into him abide in me concerning your state not standing verse 4 and i in you as a branch cannot bear fruits of itself the root has to be holy, the root has to be uh, producing life for the branches to continue to uh, survive, of course. As the branch cannot bear fruits of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruits. 
For without me, ye can do nothing. So verses 1 down to 5 are pretty self-explanatory. You want to grow. You want to be holy. You want to be a good example to people. You want to make the most of your relationship with the Lord. Walk with him. Get close to him. Speak to him in the morning. Speak to him in the evening. Speak to him in the daytime. Confess your sins throughout the day. Don't leave it until the end of the day. You compliment your wives, your husbands, your children. Compliment the Lord. Thank him for saving you. Ask him to reveal more of his word to you, and he will. Verse 6 is a double application. If a man could be Judas Iscariot, like I say, abide not in me. He sees me, he hears me, he has a mental comprehension of what I am saying. He starts to weigh out the pros and the cons. Should I, shouldn't I? And Judas would betray him. He's called a devil, like I say, from chapter 6. If a man abide not in me, well, you can't abide in him if it's concerning your standing because you didn't put yourself into Christ. Like I say, he put you into himself. Well, the Holy Ghost put you into him. God put you into God, basically. So you can't extract yourself from Jesus Christ. If you are a father and you have children, they will always be your children. They may disown you, you may disown them, they may change their names. But they still belong to you. Remember a brother telling me a few years ago that when his wife died, he said, I had some shocking news within 24 hours of her death. And I said, what happened? He said, well, my stepdaughter, he had, I think, seven children. Five were his own, two were adopted, boy and a girl. He said, my stepdaughter, within 24 hours of her mother dying, his wife dying, phoned him up and said to him, I'm going to change my surname. I'm going back to my real father's surname. And that flawed this brother and he said to me the problem was that if that wasn't bad enough her father abandoned her and her brother her father was a despicable a deplorable man and i i took her on and her brother married their mother and we had seven children in total and now now that her mother is dead she's going to uh have a name change have a name change but i'm still her father well, not physically he wasn't. I mean, physically he wasn't her literal father. Spiritually he was, and emotionally he may have been. He raised her from the age of, I think, five or six. But the point is, her biological father, as bad as he was, as wicked as he was, was still her father. So once you're born again, if you are born again, if you've received Christ through faith alone, you belong to him. You are in him. You can't breakouts of him like i say if you think of a high of a uh, high security uh, prison you can't break out it's impossible unless of course you have uh, help from the inside if a man abide not in me concerning one state not standing he is cast forth as a branch and is withered burnt up also first corinthians 3 has some application to this and men gather them. Now also, it could be in reference to the branch. It doesn't say that the men are burnt up. It says how they are burnt up. It could be the branch. The branch gets burnt up. 
Could be a picture of your works getting burnt up at the judgment. And cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So I will say this, that when I look at these verses, and I appreciate, you've got to take, your care, uh, take care of them, tread carefully. We are obviously back before the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking to the Jews, not the Gentiles. And I appreciate the difference between Israel and the church. There is a difference, of course. But with Judas in mind, and people like Judas, who would see the Lord, would walk with him, enjoy him, it was imperative for them to abide with the Messiah. That's what Hebrews is all about. Hebrews says to uh, stay with the Saviour, basically. Don't go back to Judaism. If you go back to Judaism, you are lost. Because you can't be saved any other way. Seven. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. And that last word, disciples, makes all of the difference concerning your sanctification, your relationship with the Lord, what you do after you are saved. Once you are born again, you are a disciple, obviously, but are you a good disciple? Are you a bad disciple? Do you stand out amongst your peers or do you continue to fail? Do you continue to uh, produce very little fruit? Keep your hand there and go to Luke chapter 15. So standing in states, if it's in reference to one's uh, standing, then you're safe. Christ keeps you safe. You may be broken off prematurely. You may arrive at the judgment uh, prematurely. Also keep this in mind that no analogy is uh, foolproof. You've got to be careful if you build a doctrine on a parable, on uh, figurative language. If you can, take a clear doctrinal passage and get your theology from that. But of course there are meanings to why the Lord would speak or there are meanings to what he said and you have to really drill into what he is saying to try and comprehend the deeper meaning Luke chapter 15 Luke chapter 15 look at verse 4 please what man of you having an hundred sheep if you lose one of them doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it if you are a saved person, you are called a sheep. A sheep is very docile, has a low IQ, is very vulnerable, is easily spooked. And that's why you are referred to as a sheep, because without me, you can do nothing. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbours, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found, for I have found, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. My sheep. I lay down, I lay down my life for my sheep. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Self-righteous. And here way back in the Gospels, Jesus a Jewish rabbi speaking to the Jews before Abraham was I am he you better believe that I am 
they wouldn't receive him. We know who he is, we know his parents, we know his mother and father. Look at verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth, has a change of mind, is fully persuaded that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the one true God. But did you notice the context here? From verse 4, if he lose one of them, doth not he leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost? He goes looking for the sheep. The sheep is a docile creature, like I say. If a sheep gets lost, it's down to the shepherd to go and look for the sheep. Our salvation has always been dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. And go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbours, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found, I have found. I went looking for the sheep, it didn't come looking for me. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, changes their mind, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance, won't repent, won't receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. So the sheep were a hundred strong. One went to walk about, the other 99 stayed put. You could suggest demonstrating Holy Christians, those that were producing good fruit, John 15, but one wasn't producing good fruit. One started astray, and the shepherd went on a search and rescue mission, found that one uh, missing sheep, and brought it back into his flock. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, the precious blood of the Lamb, 94 times. Contrast that to cross, pick up your cross, Lordship Salvation people like to preach that. Pick up your cross, turn from your sins to be saved. Appears 28 times, but the blood, 94 times. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, in the context of being Gentiles, of course, are made nigh, are brought near by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 12 that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants 
of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. It's all about the blood of Christ. John 15, there are no Gentiles present. John 15, there are no Christians present. John 15, I may be wrong when I say this, but John 15, you've got the apostles present, obviously, but maybe possibly Judas Iscariots. I'm not overly sure if, I, if I've got that correct, but I think Judas may, may have been present. Abide in me, Judas, in a sort of paradoxical way. Abide in me, uh, Judas. If you don't abide in me, you'll be broken off and go to hell forever. Picturing Judas's uh, free will, picturing the mercy of the Lord. It's a mystery when you think about Judas Iscariot, who he was, what he was, why he did what he did. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now you know you can't save yourself. Like I've been saying for the last 50 minutes or so, now the rain is coming down. You didn't put yourself into Christ. You received him through faith alone. The Holy Ghost puts you into him. But here, Paul says to work out your own salvation <coughs> with fear and trembling. There are two types of salvation. There, are, there is your physical salvation. For example, if the rain was to really come down hard, my pulpits would be uh, very wet, obviously. A bit of a mudslide would perhaps occur and I could end up falling off that cliff <laughs> and go straight to heaven. That's my physical salvation. There's also your spiritual salvation. It says here to work out your salvation, not to work at your salvation, but to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Are you really saved? 1 Corinthians 15, what have you believed in? Have you believed in the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you have, you're fine. You are safe, stay put. If you are trusting in your repentance, I have repented of my sins, they say, or I said the sinner's prayer, or I got baptised, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, you're lost. You can't be saved by your repentance. Repentance, although it was granted to you, Acts 5, if you are a Jew, or Acts 11, if you are a Gentile, in and of itself, can't save you. If you could be saved by your repentance, then why would Christ have to die for your sins? Repentance as a change of mind towards who the Lord Jesus Christ was will save you. If it's based on something like the blood of Christ. For it is God, verse 13, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Going back to John chapter 15. Without me, ye can do nothing. Abide in me, and I in you. And here Paul is making the case. My beloved, verse 12. He wouldn't say that to unsaved people. As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. But now much more, in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Revelation chapter 2 says they've lost their first love. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. How strong is your relationship with the Lord at the moment? How often do you say to your wife, you love her, or your husband, you love him? How often do you compliment your children? That's what is necessary. How often do you speak to the Lord? How often do you read his word? What sort of relationship do you have? Are you lukewarm? Are you cold? Or are you hot? Work out your salvation. Are you really saved? What have you believed in? What have you trusted in? The blood? Found 94 times. Are the call to believe in the blood? Found 241 times. Or are you trusting in your repentance? Found 60 times. 80% Matthew, Mark, Luke. Never once found in John, of course. And the 20% that it's found in the Pauline epistles is aimed at Christians who are already saved. Paul says, I'm coming to Corinth. 2 Corinthians 13. Some of you are still sinning. Haven't repented. And when I come, I'm going to get the whip out. Figurative, uh, figurative language, once again. Paul would use figurative language in that term, get the whip out. I'm just emphasizing that. That's not what he would say, but basically he was saying, when I come, there's going to be trouble if you haven't already repented. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. So you have warnings aimed at saved people to remind them that they need to produce more fruit. You are saved unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2. And here you're told to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not concerning heaven or hell. You can't work your way into heaven. But concerning your standing. First and foremost, what have you, uh, what have you believed in? Make sure you believe in the blood of Christ, the resurrection. And also concerning your state. Fruit bearing, you see. 1st Timothy chapter 6 1st Timothy chapter 6 look at verse 12 fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses lay hold of it not in a physical sense you understand hyperbole it's already yours. Grab it. Lay hold of it. Claim it. Contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Look at 19. Laying up in store for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 look at verse 10 wherefore the rather brethren brethren brothers give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you shall never fall for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ all about him without me ye can do nothing make your calling and election sure calling 
could be concerning one's service. What's my gift in the church? Am I called to be a preacher, a teacher, an evangelist, a soul winner? Am I, call, am I called to be a prayer warrior? What is my gift? We've all got gifts, of course. Also, have I been called? Am I saved? What have I been chosen for? What does the Lord want me to do? Election deals with your uh, being conformed to the image of God. But nobody was elected until they stood for election. Again, think of the political analogy. You have a couple of candidates step forward. One on the left, one on the right. They want the keys to, it could be Downing Street or the White House. And the public get to decide which one they want. It's a slightly different system in, in the UK. But you know what I mean when I say that. Two people put themselves forward. An election takes place. But it only takes place once two people have put themselves forward. Jesus Christ calls all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17, those that repent. Acts 5, Acts 11, those that appropriate the atonement are saved. And then they are elected to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, very reminiscent to the book of Hebrews. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. For here and now we are in the kingdom of God. One day we will see Jesus Christ on the earth. We will uh, rule and reign with him. The kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven will be ruling uh, simultaneously. We will see it, witness it. It'll be a great blessing. But here Peter is building on Paul's <coughs> warnings and also the Lord Jesus Christ's uh, from John 15 to abide in him make your calling and election sure work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God that worketh in you abide in me and I in you as the uh, branch cannot bear fruit of itself abide in me so on and so forth if a sheep goes walkabouts Luke 15 picturing a saved person the shepherd goes after the sheep picturing a saved person the 99 are safe like I say grazing enjoying themselves even on a very cold day like today and the wandering sheep is found by the messiah because the messiah came the first time to call the sheep he finds that missing sheep scoops it up puts it on his shoulder picturing security of course john 10 book of isaiah you're safe in uh the father's hand double security and the wandering sheep like i say is brought back into the fold so the emphasis as far as one standing is concerned is a done deal as far as one standing is concerned we are safe in the beloved but as far as one state is concerned like the wandering sheep is a different ball game if a saved person starts to backslide the shepherd will go after that person and bring that person back to him if that person persists in not repenting then of course that results in the sin unto death men gather such people could be pictures of an angel burn up such a person not their souls but their works first corinthians chapter three they're still saved based on what christ has done for them but the problem goes back to 
not just standing in state, but easy believism versus hard believism. There are two sides to the coin, you see. On the one hand, you have people who say, well, it's not acceptable just to teach faith in Christ alone. And as far as I'm concerned, if you don't believe in that, you are accursed. And that crowd turn around and say, you have to teach repentance, meaning turning from sins in order to be saved. And like I said last week, a compulsory changed life to demonstrate a turning from sins that is called hard believism. It's easy to be saved, but it's hard to be a disciple. And such people get so confused over hard believism, easy believism. There is justification for that term, easy believism, and I've spoken against it over the years. If you are trusting in a prayer to save you, or trusting in asking Jesus into your heart to save you, or trusting in a general uh, appreciation of the Lord Jesus Christ, that won't save you. And if you make salvation hard, and say that you have to do all those things in order to be saved, that won't save you. Two wrongs don't make a right. But if you are fully persuaded that Jesus Christ has died for your sins, shed his precious blood for you, was buried and after three days raised up from the dead, if you believe that, if you trust in that, you are saved. And proof that Christ was received up into heaven would be his resurrection, obviously. His ascension. And you think of Leviticus chapter 1, parts of the sacrifice of the animal would involve fire. And that fire was found over in Luke 17 and Matthew 28, demonstrating and reaffirming the wonderful proof that the Father has saved those that will receive Christ. Going back to how the atonement is sufficient for all, but only efficacious for those that receive it appropriately. Go back to John chapter 15. So I know this video has been probably a little long uh, coming, and uh, hopefully this morning you've got some help with such uh, verses. But go back to John 15 one last time. And verse 6, if a man, if a woman, if somebody abides not in me, has to be in reference to one's state, not standing. He or she is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And yet, if you want to interpret this to be in reference to one standing, then you're going to have to go to all the other verses which are found in the New Testament and basically overthrow them. Romans 8 says we are safe, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Pretty self-explanatory. And men, gather them into the fire. I think it's more in reference to Matthew 13, the wicked from the just. And they, the men, are burned. Picturing that they were never saved to begin with. That's the only way to really exegete such a passage. It's an analogy, obviously, but it's clear, isn't it? It's clear that there are people who think they are saved, Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Three times they boast about the Lord's 
or they boast about their works concerning the Lord, prophecy, casting out devils, wonderful works, they would say. And he says, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Go back to Matthew 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. Look at 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, thousand year reign it has to be, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth, never safe to begin with. 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so should it be in the end of this world, end of time. 38. The field is the world, the good seed of the children of the kingdom, saved people, but the tares of the children of the wicked one, unsaved people. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, end of time, and the reapers are the angels. Go back to John chapter 15. If a man abide not in me, verse 6, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. The men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned there's one more uh, go to Matthew uh, chapter I think it's 7 no it's Matthew chapter 8 Matthew chapter 8 look at verse 10 when Jesus heard it he marveled and said to them that followed verily I say unto you I have not found so great faith no not in Israel and I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven thousand year reign but the children of the kingdom like unbelieving Jews because the kingdom was first and foremost given to the Jews the promises and covenants were given to the children of Israel but the children of the kingdom unbelieving Jews like John 15 6 but the, uh, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth so John 15 6 if you were to ask me to offer my final thought and wrap up uh, this message from a very cold open air pulpits I will say this that First and foremost, Jesus Christ is speaking to those that are not saved, those that won't abide in him, won't walk with him, won't be identified with him, and as a result of not wanting to be associated with him, they are going to go to hell forever, obviously. And those that are saved, but are not fruit bearers, risk being cut off, broken off, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 arrive at the judgment seat barren, broken, withered pitiful tears in heaven Revelation speaks about tears in heaven losses of rewards so on and so forth but not salvation praise the Lord because without me ye can do nothing and like I say these people were already saved uh, very clearly found over in verse 3 
but Judas wasn't and his ilk weren't either and on that statement our side out from a blustery and cold open air pulpits and wish you every blessing happiness and joy and much fruit bearing in the wonderful name of our God and Saviour the Lord Jesus Christ Amen and Amen